Just kind of stay in that mindset for just a moment. <clears throat> Much of what Arnie was just saying was prophetically indicative of what I want to talk about here for just a minute. But here's what I want us to do while we're in this atmosphere. How many of you would like a new day, a new beginning? <laughs> Let's close one door and open another door. Can we? And I feel like there's something here in the room that we can do that. And I want you to stand up for just a second, if you don't mind, because you're going to do a prophetic act. And I'm just going to believe. I'm just going to believe the Lord is going to do something. We're in a new season. Do you believe that? This is absolutely a new season. I hope I at least skimmed the surface of prophetically sharing that the other night. And I believe it's a time where we're moving from sorrow to rejoicing. Because the season of tabernacles is highlighted with rejoicing, celebration, excitement. Not fasts to the Lord, but feasts to the Lord. So I think we're moving from a fast to a feast. I mean that sincerely. <clears throat> I wish I could just push a button and say a word and all of your problems would go away, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. But what I can believe for is that we can step through a door and a process is set in motion where all things become new. <clears throat> Old things are passed away. Old problems beginning to be solved. You have a new day, a new anointing, a new authority, a new perspective. I think perspective is so important. So what I want you to do right now is just, just focus for just a minute. And I'm going to count to three. When I do, just take a little step forward just as a prophetic act that you're stepping into something new. You're going to step into a new destiny, <clears throat> a new anointing, a new day, a new point of view, a new vision. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? A whole new vision. On the count of three, one, two, three, step. Lord, I just ask that you release every person that just took a step into something fresh. That even tonight, as they sleep, a new perspective, that their sleep would be pleasant. That, that while they are asleep, their spirit will be awake. That you would give us a point of view that comes from heaven. That our faith would come from you. A Zoe kind of life would begin to be imparted. And depression would be lifted. And heaviness would be lifted. And the cares of the world would be lifted. Because you care for us. Grant that, I pray. I'm ready for one myself, Lord. So I'm prophesying to myself a new day, a new beginning, a new perspective, a new authority. A new point of view for myself. Grant that, I pray. Surround this place with the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just declare this place is off limits to depression. No depression, no anxiety, no panic attacks can exist here in this place. Grant that, I pray, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated for just a minute. And I just got a couple of things I want to share, and we're going to turn David loose and... But don't you guys appreciate Arnie and Tony? Of course. And, and Cheree and, and Alicia. <laughs> I'll make sure I got that in the right order. I do, I, you know, sometimes I get that reversed. But um, I mean that sincerely. I appreciate you guys. I really do. I'm not just saying that because you said nice things about me the other day. I mean that. You know, he said he'd been waiting a long time for someone like me to come along. I've been waiting a lot longer for someone like them to come along. And I mean that sincerely as well. <clears throat> You know, said of Nathaniel that he was a man without guile. And I don't think that means he did everything right. I just think he did everything with the right motive. 
And I think that's what these guys kind of emulate. They might not do it perfect, but I'm pretty sure what they do is with the right motive. And I can work with that, can't you? I can follow that. I can be joined to that. I can, you know, co-labor with that perspective because the, the, the motivation is not selfish ambition or any other thing such as that. It's just to advance the kingdom, to see the Lord Jesus get the full measure of his reward. Wouldn't that be awesome? <clears throat> and I got news for you. He's going to. It is emphatic. It is undeniable. Every person that Jesus died for will come into the kingdom. Think about that. Wait just a minute. You mean if I don't, you know, somebody one time said, what if you didn't preach? How many people would go to hell? None. Nobody would go to hell if I didn't preach. Now, I hope I can help some people get there, right? Jesus said, all that the Father has given me, what? Will come. Now, you got really quiet on me there because I probably stepped on some of your theology. <laughs> but that, isn't that true? Now, he wants us to obey. But this is a season of harvest. It's a season of tabernacles. You know, a lot of emphasis has been placed upon the Feast of Tabernacles this year, and rightfully so, more so than I've ever seen. I have followed the Feast of Israel for 20 years now, 21 actually, and, uh, and, and I started teaching on the Feast of Tabernacles probably 10, 12 years ago, and I did a series about six or seven years ago, whatever it was, but I have seen more emphasis on the Feast of Tabernacles this year than ever before. Would you agree with that? Have you ever wondered why? Why this year? And, and I can tell you, you know, Jesus is not coming back tomorrow night. Even though that's been prophesied that maybe September, October, the Lord's coming. He's not because there's not a bride with that spot or wrinkle. We still got millions and millions and millions of people out there to get saved, right? And brought into the kingdom. So he's not, he's not ready to come back yet, but he's going to soon. But what we have entered is a new season of the spirit. No doubt about it. I just want to, you know, the Lord kind of gave me something this week, and it's kind of fresh, so I'll just kind of throw it at you. But when Jesus speaks, an irreversible force is set in motion that cannot prevent its fulfillment. Do you believe that? If the Lord says something, it's going to happen. And he has decreed things for the last days that will absolutely happen, and there is no force in existence that can keep that from happening. He will have his harvest. He will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. He will have sons of the kingdom that do the greater works, period. I don't care what the political, political atmosphere looks like. I don't care what the economy looks like. I don't care how many earthquakes may come. The Lord will have his harvest, period. You want a scripture for that? Luke 19, I love this. As soon as he was approaching Jesus, speaking up, Near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is he, <clears throat> blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Oh, Oh, boy. <clears throat> I mentioned a term the other night. There's two terms. One is the Old Testament term moed, and it means divine appointment. The other one is the New Testament term means kairos. It was ordained. There was an appointment with humanity that on that particular day, the Lord Jesus was going to be riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, and it was ordained. Even when David 
way back when he brought the, the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem with dancing and shouting and praising and rejoicing was a prophetic picture that one day the son of David was going to come into the city. And that day he came, and if, he had, if the people had not rejoiced because it had been decreed, because it had been spoken by the mouth of God, if the people had not worshipped, the stones would have. I've got to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing that myself. But I mean that literally. I mean literally, it was ordained. Somebody was going to worship him that day. Do you, are you getting my point here? Somebody is going to step into the promises. Somebody is going to do everything that he said he was going to do. I want to read to you something from Deuteronomy, speaking about the Feast of Tabernacles. I want, I want this to be something of a change of mindset that we have been in because I don't think we have the rejoicing, victorious, triumphant mentality, mainly because most of us are fighting for our lives. Let's just be honest about it, right? Everybody got something going on that they would love to see resolved. I noticed that everybody stood and everybody raised their hand, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm speaking to everyone. But it says, you shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days, and when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your winepress, you shall rejoice in your feast. You and your son and your daughter, your male servants, your female servants, the Levites, the strangers, the fatherless, the widows who are within the gates, seven days you shall keep a sacred feast unto the Lord, your God, in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord, your God, will bless you and the produce, and all the work of your hands, so that you will surely rejoice. That changes my attitude a little bit. And I think what we're about to enter into, I think what this ministry, is no accident. They did not ordain it for this to happen right now. I, I know that because we had conversation, but it is absolutely no accident that this ministry is kind of seeing a new beginning with a new building and a new perspective. And this is only the first of several installments. And so I want to speak four things into the foundation of this, of this new beginning here. But I, I want you to understand, we've moved into a season, did you kind of get the joy of that whole passage? That this is rejoicing. Fathers and sons and daughters are coming together. Your, your servants and your friends and the widows and the orphans and everybody, everybody's coming together to Jerusalem to, to celebrate. Why? Because the wine and the oil has been gathered in, the, the final harvest of the year, the great harvest of the year, the one that's seven times greater than the day of Pentecost has been brought in. And, and, and there's no doubt about it that there's going to be an outpouring to do three things. There's a maturing rain, there's a perfecting rain, and there's a harvest rain. And that is three of the mandates of this ministry that I want to speak into the atmosphere a maturing rain because we're going to bring people to maturity, a perfecting rain because it's going to perfect the bride of Christ to be without spot or wrinkle, and a harvest rain because it's going to bring in the harvest. Amen? Now, I have a whole message on that one point I just made. <laughs> so I hope you can just kind of get the, the gist of it. But years ago, um, the Lord spoke to me some things that, that he told me were the four cornerstones for the new model of ministry. And I've been waiting a long time and I'm believing, I'm just having to believe that we're entering in this season of the spirit, this, this Kairos moment of church history where it is ordained. The clock is ticking. There aren't many years left. We may not be ready, but he's gonna have to work with what he's got. I believe that sincerely. He's just gonna have to start doing some things. He's gonna have to begin to accelerate. 
But one of, the, the, one, of, one of each of the four, one deals with how we relate to heaven, one how we relate to other people, one how we relate to the word of God, and one how we relate to the world. How do we relate to heaven? One of the four cornerstones that I want to just speak into the foundation of what's going on this week is number one, we've had a, we've had a lot of ministries that have been focused on training people on how to prophesy or how to pray for the sick. How many, how many know we need to prophesy and we need to pray for the sick? No doubt about it. But I'm telling you, we're in a new day now. That's going to be, that's going to be a secondary focus, not a primary focus in the days ahead. We need people to teach us how to pray. We need people how to, to teach us how to worship, how to dance, how to do banners, how to do whatever we do. No doubt about it. We need all of that. Those things in the days ahead are going to become secondary. The primary purpose, the cornerstone of what's coming, is to create an atmosphere where people can learn how to become the friend of God. The friend of God. I would love to try to, <laughs> I tell you, you have no idea what it's like. Ah, I knew it. When you have the Lord come to you and say, you're his friend. <laughs> anyway. How many know there's a big difference between being a servant and a friend? You know, he was the king of the universe. He could have just stepped on the earth and just told you to do what he wanted you to do and asked no questions, but he chose to create a forum where he would say, no longer do I call you servants, but now you're my friend. Because a servant doesn't know why his master does what he does, but I'll tell you my heart. I'll tell you why you're going to do what you do. Because I'll share with you everything the Father gives to me. You might say, well, we need to be trained to be apostles and prophets. Listen, you're born one. If you are one. You don't have to be taught how to be an apostle. That's what you are. Do I have to be taught how to be a man? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> right? I just, I am one. And if you're, if you're an apostle, you're, you, you just are. You just be what you, be what you are and what you do will define who you are, right? But becoming a friend of God, creating an atmosphere where people can literally, can you imagine having on your tombstone written, here lies so-and-so, the friend of God? Oh, that would pretty well do it, wouldn't you? I think we've been shooting too low, you know, I, not to devalue the importance of any office. They're all vitally important. You hear my heart, right? But I don't think anything is as, as important for us right now. Of course, we're the bride and we're a son. But you know what? You can be somebody's son and not his friend. So there's a, there is a place. I just want to release it here. That this will become an atmosphere. That this would be a place where people can become the friend of God. Number two, how do we relate to the world. The disciples one time asked the Lord, you know, what shall we do that people will know that we're followers of you? Now, what they were asking was, if you, if you go back to the language that was used there, it was very common in that day for disciples of a certain leader to wear something 
that lets people know they were a follower of this particular leader. Either a certain kind of turban or a Pharisee would have a certain kind of clothes on. A Sadducee wore something that everybody knew he was a Sadducee. If you followed a certain kind of teacher, you had a sash or something, or you wore something that identified who you followed. And when they asked him the question, how will men know that we're your followers? He said, by this shall all men know that you're my followers, that you love one another. You're to wear that like a cloak. Oh, that must be one of those Freedom Church. I started to say P-hop. <laughs> that must be one of those P-hop guys. He's loving, they're loving one another. Wouldn't that be wonderful, right? To create a, a place where people can literally love one another. That's going to be novel. It's going to be revolutionary that we literally, truly love one another. By, by the way, one of the, one of the earmarks of tabernacles is unity. The other one is how do we relate to the word? One of the primary, one of the most emphasized prophetic passages of scripture right now is Zechariah chapter four, where it talks about the foundation of this house being laid. I like the first part where it says, what are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become a plain. Oh, listen, give us some authority where we can begin to make these mountains look like a piece of dirt. Before Zerubbabel, you'll become a plain. <clears throat> and the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation. And his hands will bring the capstone. And these seven will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the entire earth. I am telling you prophetically, there are ministries, and I believe this one, as well as my own, is called to be a plumb line ministry. Where we bring spirit of truth. No compromise, no, no uh, watered-down gospel, the pure, undiluted, untainted revelation of Jesus Christ. And I got news for you. The Lord is jealous for his word. He is jealous. It is not okay with what we have done with God's word. And I'm telling you that prophetically as a minister of the gospel, someone that has spent some time with God, I am telling you he is going to take issue with people that take their liberty with the word of God. It matters what you believe. It matters what you believe. You didn't give me an amen, but it's right anyway. I'll just, I know a lot of my followers have heard this story, but I was in a meeting one time. And the emphasis of the meeting was unity. And I, I want unity. I really do. I want us to get along. But you can't create unity on a platform of compromise. And so we're at this meeting and someone makes the statement, they say, you know, it really doesn't matter if you don't believe in healing, just so long as we believe Jesus, you know, died for it. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just so long as we all believe in the blood and Jesus is the Messiah. And that sounded really good to the ears of men until I went back to my hotel room and the Lord says to me, now that might be okay with you, but it's not okay with me. He said, I let them strip the flesh off of my back to purchase healing for my children. And it's not okay with me if you don't believe it. So this idea that we can try to get along with another community of people and try to say it's not okay to believe in healing, you're telling them a lie. It's not okay. It's not okay to reject the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. He died to give you that gift. 
The spirit of truth. I'll go one step further and tell you that we will not have harvest until there has been the manifestation of the spirit of truth. Because there is no real repentance without the conviction of sin. And the spirit of truth brings the conviction of sin. The Bible said so. John chapter 16, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will bring the conviction of sin. Sin because they do not believe. And so on it goes. Plumb line revelation. That means you've got to be prophetic. <laughs> that means there has to be a prophetic anointing. Not only upon those that speak, but those that listen. Wouldn't you like a prophetic anointing? To know the word of God. Lord, I release that all of this room right now. I just release a grace to every person in the sound of my voice. That the word of God would not be veiled. It would not be confusing. It would not be shadowed. But it would be full of life. Life-giving spirit. Life-giving spirit released all over this room to every person here because it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Send it forth, I ask, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. <clears throat> and finally, the one that, if, if it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. But it's there. Remember, the first cornerstone was becoming the friends of God a different forum, a different kind of relationship than what we've taught before in ministry. The second is being, being cloaked in love. The third is having the spirit of truth. The fourth is a, is a passage that if it wasn't in the Bible, if God's word was not at stake, if his name was not at stake, I would have a hard time believing it. But it says this, that we have these precious and magnificent promises by which we become partakers of, of the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world and its lusts. Remember what I said? When God speaks, there is an irreversible force set in motion. The devil may hinder it, but he cannot prevent it. Jesus said there will be a body of people on this earth before the end comes that will have no corruption in them in fact, the, the lusts of this world will have no hold on them. That's what it says, right? They'll be free from the lusts of this world. I'm signing up for that. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet, but we're working on it. Freedom. Freedom from, from the lusts of this world. <clears throat> I just want to read one more thing. Have I got long enough? I just want to, I want, I want to release Dave and do what he, he wants to do. I, I, I wasn't going to do this if I didn't have time, but I, I want to close with this. I, I read this at one of my SOSs, but it's been kind of brewing with me all week long with this new day that we're in, this new season of the Spirit. <clears throat> but on August the 11th, there's a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Who's, who, who does not know who Smith Wigglesworth is? There's a couple. Okay, Smith Wigglesworth was a very, very powerful man of God used in the early part of the 20th century. He started out with the Salvation Army, and uh, basically he helped his wife. And uh, she was more of a speaker, evangelist type, and he just kind of did other things, and she died. And while he was laying on her grave, weeping and moaning and crying, grieving, uh, the Lord shows up and says, get up, it's time to go. And he said, Lord, give me everything she had plus what you've given me. And the Lord said, I will. And one of the first trips he made in 1922 was down to New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand. I've been to the building where this meeting was held. And thousands and thousands of people were healed supernaturally in the hands of this man's ministry. 
And for the next 25 years, I guess it would have been, he ministered this incredible faith-based message of healing and deliverance when all over the world was considered one of the great leaders of the early, early 20th century church. But he was also prophetic. And on August the 11th, 1927, he was in Angelus Temple, which is the church of Amy Simple McPherson, one of the great evangelists of that, of that era. And this is what he said. <clears throat> he says, there will be things that will happen prior to the second coming of Christ that we need to know, that you can tell. I am, he said, I, he felt the anointing. He said, I'm like one this morning that is moved with a liquid, holy, indispensable, real fire in my bosom. I pray that that will be released right now as I say it. And I know it's burning and the body is not consumed. It is a real fire from heaven that is making my utterances come to you to know that he is coming. He is on the way. God is going to help me tell you why you will know. You that have the breath of the Spirit, there is something now moving as I speak. And as I speak, this breath of mighty, quickening, moving, changing, desirable power is making you know that it is this alone that is making you know that you will be ready. Then he began to prophesy, here are the signs of the Lord's second coming. Here are the signs of the season of the generation that will see his coming. He was speaking under a liquid fire anointing. He said there must be a special preparation for the return of Christ and at least half of those who claim to believe will be totally unprepared. There's a whole explanation. I'm just going to give you the highlights. There will be many Christians who believe that they can do whatever they want to do and God will look the other way. It will be common for preachers to deny the existence of hell and deny, denying hell prepares the way for Antichrist. It will become offensive to talk about the blood of Christ. The world will look to worship a man and will overlook his faults to get him into power. Number six, people that, 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 certain, that people believe that certain preachers are of God simply because they have crowds and because of the beauty of their buildings. Number seven, as churches turn away from the Holy Spirit, many believers, as churches turn away from the Holy Spirit, many believers to go to false teachers. Many people will turn away from the Holy Spirit, go to false teachers. Number eight, this is one I want to get to. The reason I say those first seven, are we not seeing them right now? I don't, I don't have time to go. I, I've had people, I, I have spent hours on the phone with well-known leaders that probably you would recognize their name, denying the existence of hell. I'm talking about within the last year. So I, I you know. <laughs> Number eight, this is the one I want. When you see all the other things happening, when you see them, because it's unpopular to talk about the blood, when when people are turning away to false teachers, when people just follow people because they have crowds, he says, then, during those days, it'll be a time for the true people of God to engage in extravagant asking. <laughs> now, he said this under an anointing of the Holy Spirit. He was prophesying, I believe, about our day. I know that was 1927, so we're a lot closer now than they were then. <laughs> but listen, we don't have as many, many years as some may think. So I, I just want to close my little segment here with, a, with an admonition to begin to ask. 
We're in a new season. We've turned over a new leaf. There is a new administration in the realm of the Spirit. If you can understand what I mean by that, those the leaders know, David knows, which, by the way, I so appreciate David, too. Sorry I left you out. I forgot. He's a good man of God. <clears throat> Anybody that's, that's on the cutting edge of the prophetic has paid a price. I can guarantee you that. <clears throat> but what was I saying? <laughs> Thank you. I started to get a prophetic word for David, and it totally, it totally, completely just took me off track. So, you know, when I began to talk about paying a price, David, something just began to be downloaded unto me that, that a lot of what I'm saying right now is for you. I think you're about to turn over a new leaf. And I, I think, I, I really think, you know, you're, you're about to move into a different administration of your gift, but it's not going to be a gifted ministry. It's going to be an office-based ministry. And, uh, you know, maybe you've moved in a gift of prophecy, but I believe there's going to be a whole new prophetic level, a whole new, you know, anointing that will go with that. But with it's going to also become the teacher. I don't know how much teaching. Most everything I've heard you do is going to be prophesying, but I see a whole, what I see is this. What I see is a prophetic teacher with apostolic authority. That's what I see coming out of your ministry in the days ahead. I think, I think for you, this is a new seven-year season as well. I believe this season right now is going to begin to step into, I think most everything you've done is preparation for what you're about to do. That could be said for a lot of us, but I really believe that's true. And you've done a lot. I know you've traveled a lot, and I know you've done a lot of ministry already. But I don't, I don't think you've stepped into your real authority yet. And I don't hope that's not a discouragement, <laughs> because I really feel like something's at the door, a new day, a new administration, a new anointing, a new office, and a new realm of, a realm of authority. And I don't, you know, don't be afraid to even talk about the apostolic more, uh, even as it relates to yourself and your ministry, because it's going to come with a great authority. So I just release that in this man. I go, Lord, bless David. Bless him. I bless him. With whatever authority you've given me, I release it into his life to step into a fresh new anointing, a fresh perspective. You know, and, and, and David, it's, it's not just going to be a gift of a word of knowledge. It's going to be living word ministry. It's going to be Hebrews 4.12, where, where the Spirit comes. You begin to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart, not because it's a gift of the word of knowledge, but because it's a presence, a presence that comes before whom all things are open and laid bare. So I release upon David right now a Hebrews 4.12 and 13 anointing that a presence will come. The veil will be pulled back. It will no longer minister with a gift of prophecy and a word of knowledge, but with a spirit of knowledge and a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom. May the sevenfold spirit of God begin to function and flow into him. These eyes that rove to and fro throughout the earth to bring a plumb line message, an undiluted prophetic word, an undiluted message for this generation, a new model of ministry, a new perspective for having church, a new perspective for evangelists, a new perspective of releasing healing. God, release that into his life, I pray. Open this new door. Unlock everything in heaven. It's like there's a seven-lock container, and I think you're just about to go to the second lock. That's a very unusual thing, but that's what I saw. You got six more locks to go <laughs> before the fullness of everything God has given you. So I just release that, that these locks, and I think they're going to be released in quicker succession than they have been so far in the past. So, Lord, release that. Unlock the realm of the Spirit. It's not just about unlocking resources. It's unlocking a deposit. It's unlocking a realm, unlocking a door that'll take you into a whole new perspective of understanding the heart of God and understanding prophetic ministry and understanding what it means to begin to speak the living word. 
God, grant that into him and release it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Extravagant asking. Well, there you have it. <laughs> I was just doing it. Lord, I'm asking that you do this for this man of God. So tonight, before you go to bed, I would just say, you know what? I'm going to test you in that, Lord. That man of God, talking about Smith Wigglesworth, was a true man of God. And if you spoke through him, I'm going to be extravagant about asking. Extravagant is not ridiculous, right? I'm not going to ask tonight to look like Brad Pitt. That would be ridiculous, right? But I am going to be extravagant. Say, Lord, let me look like you. I'm going to be extravagant. Say, Lord, you said that you created a forum where men walked with God like Enoch did. I'm going to, I'm going to be extravagant and ask that kind of, Lord, you, you said Daniel was a prototype of the generation he foresaw, and he was a man highly esteemed in heaven. Lord, you said John was caught up in the Spirit in the Lord's day and heard a voice behind him like a sound of a trumpet, and he saw all the great things and felt it. And Lord, if you did it for him, you can do it for me. That's the kind of extravagant asking and beginning to believe for that. So, Lord, I ask myself on behalf of these I ask that you would release something that is real. Not just something that you think sound good tonight and you say amen to it and go home and everything's the same as it was yesterday. I don't want that kind of prayer. I really want something tangible to be released to you. I, that's my prayer tonight. And Lord, I release right here in this house that four cornerstone foundation for this ministry to create the friends of God They'll be known for their love. They would have the divine nature of Christ and they will be a steward of the spirit of truth. Grant that, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Paul Keith, as you were ministering to me, I, actually, as you got up, I heard the sound of a tearing veil and the sound of a rolling stone. And I felt like the Lord said that he's releasing the anointing to you to tear veils. But also I felt like there was this Lazarus anointing coming on you that those that had been locked up, those that had been hidden, those that had been buried prematurely uh, by religious systems, uh, the, the stones were about to roll away. But I also feel like the stones of impossibility are about to roll away as well. And then I heard the Lord say to you that it's not just a new day or a new year or a new season, but it's a new era. And where you're concerned, he's releasing the hounds of heaven. And I heard the sounds of, of, of dogs barking. And I saw this vision where they were circling that which was precious to you. And I feel like the Lord said that there's the restoration of what was lost. There's a restoration of things that have been uh, lost or stolen, but there's also... Uh, a revelation of things that have been unseen. And I felt like the Lord has given you the keys that will unlock, uh, will unlock eyes and ears. And I saw the scripture in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, and, 2 and 9 uh, that uh, eye has not seen and ear has not heard nor has entered the heart of man all the things that God is preparing for those who love him. Uh, and I feel like that this is going to be a season where you're about to see what eye hasn't seen. You're about to hear what has not been heard and you're about to have enter into your heart what others haven't uh, had enter into their heart because uh, uh, 
of your heart pursuit of the Lord. And then I felt like the Lord said that this is the season to stay at the table. And it's like I saw you doing communion every day. And I felt like the Lord said that in the midst of communion with the Lord, there's going to come not only fresh downloads, but the very wind, the very breath of God is going to begin to blow over you. And then he began to speak to me as you were prophesying to me. I heard a name and I began to tremble when I heard the name. But I felt like the Lord said he's going to give you an audience of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And I feel like the Lord's going to give you a word. He's going to give you access. I saw you actually not going through the front door of his estate, but I saw you going through the back door where family goes through. And I feel like there's going to be a word that you're going to release Uh, I believe it's actually going to be in Israel. You're going to release a word in Israel that's going to be followed by the shaking of the ground. It won't be an earthquake, but you'll begin to to feel the land shake because I feel like the prophetic on the inside of you shakes everything that can be shaken. There is a shaking anointing that the Lord is releasing upon you. And what I felt as you were speaking is the weight of the Lord. And I feel like the, uh, the, the, the weight of the holiness and the fear of the Lord is going to flow out of your mouth like never before. Uh, And I just feel like that this is the season also where the Lord is going to bring to you heads of state. Like I feel like people flying in in their presidential planes coming to meet with you in your home. And I feel like there's going to, this is going to be a season of nations. There's going to be an aligning of nations for the glory of God. And so Lord, I thank you right now, uh, Lord, for that word, but also for the golden pen that you're putting in, in Paul Keith's hand. Lord, it's the pen to write what you're saying, God. Lord, I ask right now for angels ascending and descending over his life, over his ministry uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, how many people just believe the word of the Lord right now? The Bible says that if you believe the word of the Lord, you'll be established. If you believe the word of his prophets, you'll prosper. prosper prosperity is not just about money, but, but really it's about this. It's about to be happy, to be holy, to be healthy, and to be at peace with nothing missing and nothing broken. I don't know about you, I know a lot of millionaires, uh, they have a lot of money, but, they, but they're not happy. How many know they're not prospering? I know a lot of millionaires, but, but they don't have, uh, they have sickness in their body, they're not healthy. How many know they're not prospering? I know a lot of millionaires, but, but they're not living holy. How many know they're not prospering? I know a lot of millionaires and they're worried all the time that somebody else is going to steal their money. How many know they're not prospering? And I believe that there is this prosperity that's coming upon the house of God like never before. It's, here's what true prosperity is. It's you having enough money, you having enough resource to do everything that God's called you to do. I don't know why I'm sharing this right now other than to tell you that there is, uh, there is an anointing dropping in this room where he is giving you access to his excess. The Lord is an excessive God. I, I feel like when he said ask, I feel like some of you had it on the tip of your tongue, but you felt like it was too much. I feel like that many of you in this room are about to pray dangerous prayers. There's an anointing to pray dangerous prayers. Uh, I, I felt a weighty presence as I was preparing. I actually was supposed to fly to Chicago tonight and I felt to change my ticket to be here uh, with you because of this word and the the Lord gave me a word in the night Isaiah 66 and 1 thus says the Lord heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool but who will build me a house where I could rest 
I feel like the Lord said that this is not an institution, it's not a building, but it's a house. It's a place of rest. It is a place for the Lord to come and to dwell. There is a paradigm shift coming, a paradox shift coming, where we are moving from visitation mentality to habitation mentality. He doesn't want to visit you, He wants to possess you. I pray that that's what would be declared over you. I, I, I pray that that would be the declaration over your life, that you are a people possessed by God. You are His prized possession, His son, His daughter, uh, His lover, His friends. And He says, all these things my hand has made, and so these things came to be, declares the Lord. How many know that everything we're sitting in right now belongs to Him? It came from His hand and it came to be. I feel like you're stepping into a season of this is that. Some of you have had hope deferred because you've had prophetic words delayed. But there is an acceleration and a divine timing of the Lord where we are stepping into the season of this is that which was prophesied. This is what I wrote down in the night. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I have anointed Freedom Church to take new territory and establish a dwelling place for me in the heart of Pensacola. I will abide in your praise and move with my love and power as you worship me in this new place. I have brought you out of what you've known to bring you into the unknown. Like Abraham, I have called you to step out in faith simply into the place that is called there. You have honored me and moved in faith and obedience. You've invaded the impossible and now you will begin to see what you have never seen before. There is a move of my Holy Spirit that is being directed by my hand. I have ordered your steps and you are moving into a new realm of my heart, my glory, my provision and my anointing. You have now crossed over into miracle territory and I am preparing you for the greater things and purposes of my kingdom. I'm causing you to tap into a new well of revival as you build a new altar of worship for me in this city. I have called you to be a church that is outside of the church to reach those that have been shattered and scattered by religion. The hearts of many will be healed in this place. There is a fresh move of my spirit coming to you in the days ahead. A river is going to flow out of you in this place that will flood Pensacola and the Gulf Coast with the love of God. You are pioneers who are starting the wave of the new thing. Today is starting a season of new beginnings for you the church, and this region. Don't underestimate the significance of the time or the season that you're in. I've set you apart as an apostolic resource center, a prophetic outpost, and a fortress for families. I will release the infrastructure of heaven to maintain this new move of my Holy Spirit in this place. Get ready for new people who have never heard the gospel. They're about to come flooding into this house. You're about to reach the unreached and see my love manifest in the community like never before. I will release a historical move of my spirit in this place that is not just coming to pass, but it is coming to stay. Freedom Church is a place of habitation, a dwelling place for my glory. The foundation has been laid, the price has been paid, and the treasures of heaven are about to be released. I will perform my word in this place. Supernatural things will be seen with the natural eye that will cause people to be overwhelmed by my glory. Make more room for miracles in your everyday life and set your expectations high and believe in my ability like never before. 
prepare for another dimension of the love and power of God to be poured out on you and in this place. The moment you've prayed for and been waiting for isn't coming, but it is here, it is upon you. The things that I have now set in motion will never be able to be stopped, says the Spirit of the Lord. Come on, it's a word for you. It's corporate, it's regional, and it's personal. Come on, you've got to make the word personal. It is the personal prophetic word to you. It's not just about bricks and mortar in a building. It's about you being the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of the Most High God. There, there's something shifting. There, there has been something. I can just tell you right now that the atmosphere over the region has already been shifted and changed over the last seven days. I don't know about you. I can feel it. I, I felt it. I, I left Pensacola on Monday. I came back in on Wednesday and I, I felt something in the atmosphere. There was a shifting. There's a clarity of hearing. There is a, clear, a clearing of the air that God is releasing because of what the Lord is doing here. Guard it. Protect it. I had a visitation not too long ago where uh, I was looking up into the heavenlies and I, I saw this gold thing coming and it was, started out small, but as it got closer, I, I began to see it enlarge. And what, when I recognized that it was the kingdom of God. And in the middle of the kingdom of God was the Ark of the Covenant. And you could see uh, uh, the seraphim, the angels over uh, the Ark. They were covering it as you would read in the scriptures. But over them was something different. Over them were two lions. And I heard the Lord say that the glory and the presence of God that is coming doesn't just need to be covered, but it needs to be protected. And I believe there is an atmosphere, there is a presence, there is a glory that God is getting ready to release in this place that doesn't just need to be covered, but it needs to be protected. Uh, you, you need to protect it with your life. Listen, you need to make up your mind. You need to determine in your heart that I can live without a lot of things, but I cannot live without the presence of God. We, we can live without air. We can live whatever without a lot of stuff. But I would make up my mind. I will refuse to live without the presence of God. It is the presence that will change Pensacola. It is the presence that will change something. My brother right there in the, in the striped shirt, uh, I just heard the Lord say, he's about to make things as if it never happened. There is an anointing of expungement upon your life. That the Lord would expunge the record. He would remove things from the page of the history of your life. And I feel like that as you would raise up a new generation, I, I felt like the Lord said that you're going to minister to the convicted. There is a convicting anointing of God coming upon you. There are jailer's keys being put into your hands to set the captive free. And I just felt like the Lord said that you won't redecorate jail cells, but you will break them out. You're, you're going to break them out of personal prisons. There is a gift and a grace to expunge the record. I don't know how to explain it, but I, I saw the Lord giving you a, a, a lanyard that gave you access into places that other people couldn't go. I, I feel like that many people, it's like I feel like the Lord's going to even bring you into physical jails and prisons to minister. And I, here's what I heard the Lord say, you're going to break people out of crazy. You're going to break people out of crazy. I felt this so strong that the enemy has fought you tooth and nail because he's been so afraid that if he completely lets you go, he knows the damage you're going to do to his kingdom.
You terrify the enemy, my friend. And I'm just telling you right now that there is an anointing. There is an anointing dropping on you prophetically tonight. And, and I just felt like the Lord said, not only called, but chosen. That, that you're about to step into that place where, where you're qualified. You are qualified and called. So Lord, right now, I felt that for him, but I felt for some of you right now, the Lord's about to expunge the record. Some of you have things hanging over your head. I feel like some of you tonight, the Lord is even going to bring you back from the brink of bankruptcy. I feel that the Lord is about to resolve something. I feel like that this is the season of the resolve of the Lord. I feel like it's a jubilee year for many of you in this room where the recompense of reward is about to be released. It's restoration, it's restitution, it's redemption, it's reparation, it's also reward. I felt this strong as I came in tonight that some of you need to look again. Look again at your circumstance, look again at the thing in your body, look again at bank account, look again at all of those things because I believe that as you look again, you'll see things have been absolutely turned around. As the Lord gave me that word in the night, the Lord took me to Isaiah 22, 22. It says, upon his shoulder, I will give to him the keys of David. What you lock, nobody will be able to open. What you open, nobody will be able to shut. I believe that there's a key being released in this place. It's not just the key to things. It's not just the key to the door. I don't think it's just a physical key, but what I also believe it is, it's a sound. And I feel like we were, you've been tapping into it over the last seven days. That there is a sound being released. There is a sound. There is a shofar. There, there is a sound being released. I feel like that sound in this room has unlocked a seal. And I feel like there's a scroll about to open over your life. That, that you're, about to, you're about to read history in advance. Come on, that there's something amazing happening. It's not just a key, but it's a sound. I felt like the Lord said that many of you tonight are about to receive mantles that other people dropped. There are people all over this city, all over this region that God asked them to do things, but it was too hard. They compromised, they quit, they fell, and mantles lay by the wayside. But tonight I believe that there are apostolic mantles. There are prophetic mantles. There are missions mantles. There are evangelist mantles. There are pastoral mantles. There are teaching mantles. There are businessmen mantles. There are revivalist mantles that God is about to release upon you. And that this is the season where God is about to cause you to be fit with the right, with, with the right mantle. Come on, I'm telling you right now, some of you need to be the change you want to see. Some of you, you need to become what you never had but always wanted. Some of you tonight need to step in to that assignment. Stop waiting for somebody else. You are the somebody else. I heard the Lord say in the middle of the night, tag your it. There are some of you in this room, you've been waiting for somebody else, but God's been waiting for you. You're it. Then the Lord said, this is the calling. This is the season. This is the blessing that he's releasing on this house. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face to shine upon us. Selah. I believe this, that the glow of the glory of God is about to be seen on your faces. 
the glow of the glory of God is about to be seen on your, on your faces. But as it was with Moses, so it will be with you. Religious people won't like it. How many of you know Moses came down with his face glowing? And what they asked him to do? Cover it. Why? Because there was too much God in church. Listen. Here's why God's coming here. Because He's wanted here. And if you won't hide what He's going to put on you, this is a house that will live outside of apology. I'm tired of churches apologizing because God's moving. I'm tired of pastors apologizing because God's doing things they don't understand. Here's what I heard the Lord say He's doing right here at Freedom Church, right here in Pensacola. He's not coming as we want Him. He's coming as He is. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make His face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth. You're not just going to be a church of the things of God, but a church of the ways of God. Israel knew the things of God, but Moses knew his ways. You're saving power among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For the judge, the people, you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Let the earth, uh, the earth has yielded its increase, God. Our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. You're going to carry the weight of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not, oh, God's going to smite me with a lightning bolt. But it's actually this. It's absolute obedience no matter what it costs me. Come on, I believe Industrial Boulevard is about to be known as Obedience Boulevard. In this scripture, you saw those moments, there's segments where it says Selah, which we interpret and rightfully so think about it. There's a pastor in our city, uh, Dan Livingston, who's an amazing pastor and has this ministry, pastor to pastors. And probably most of you have heard the story, if you've been around for a while, of his son Tommy, who was in an accident, uh, a motorcycle accident on Thanksgiving about three, four years ago. And they said that Tommy was brain dead. He had all kinds of broken bones. They didn't think he was going to uh, live. The doctors were actually trying to get Pastor Dan to remove, uh, re- remove the, the life support. And the Lord spoke to Brad, his, his, his son Brad Livingston, also pastoring at Transformation Church, uh, about Selah. He kept hearing Selah, think about it, ponder it. And, he, and he, be- he began to look into it. And he found out this, that it doesn't just mean think about it or to ponder but it also means this to be continued when man puts in a period god puts in a comma here's what i believe that some of you thought you came to an ending place but the lord is saying tonight new beginnings so some of you thought that you've come to the end but the lord is saying new era so some of you thought that you, you you've hit a wall you've hit a standstill but you're stepping into the to be continued of god I'm telling you right now, you're about to see 
the to be continued of God. The greater work shall you do of God. Come on, how how many know he's not decreasing, but he's increasing? Come on, we're not going out in a dud. We're we're not just going out kind of quietly and peacefully, but, but there's a jubilant celebration that's coming. Come on, I believe right now that the Lord is releasing the anointing for the reaper to overtake the sower. It is harvest time. Here's where I'll kind of end. I believe you're about to encounter God in three major areas. Number one, you're about to encounter Him prophetically. Amos 3 and 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He speaks it first to His servants or His friends, the prophets. Verse 8 says, A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Here's what I believe. That there is a prophetic voice that's about to be released out of Freedom Church that's about to be released on this Gulf Coast, that's about to be released in Pensacola and into Baldwin County and Escambia and Santa Rosa County, that the fear of the Lord's going to come. The lion of the tribe of Judah is going to roar. And we're gonna not only going to hear his word, but we're going to feel his word. Come on, I believe there's a hunger on the inside of you that will begin to roar for the more of God. Who, who won't just say what everybody else is saying. See, we have a choice in this season. We can either be a voice or we can be an echo. And Freedom Church, you're called to be a voice. A voice crying out in the wilderness, declare this is the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Your your forerunners. I will tell you that the prophetic is not just about, uh, it's not just uh, uh, about future and fortune, but it's really about life and death. Proverbs says that the power of death and life is in the tongue. I believe that that's true whether we open our mouth or not. And I believe there's an urgent voice crying out. Because God's not in a hurry, but there's an urgency in the atmosphere. Come on, I feel like that in this place, there is the voice of awakening. There is a voice of awakening. A couple of years ago, I was in Venezuela. I was in a meeting. We had outgrown the, the building we were in. So they put us in this outside venue. Uh, it was awful. On our, uh, it was owned by the Venezuelan government. Uh, it was like a club area. And so there was buildings that had different activities in it. We were in the midst of all of it. To my right, there was a wedding hall. They were loud. There was a band playing. Behind was a discotheque. Uh, it was loud. You couldn't hear yourself think. Uh, there was a thatch roof bar where people were carousing and, and drinking. And, uh, and they put in the worship. They ended early because nobody could hear the music. They put me up. I couldn't hear myself preach. I wanted to quit. I went to shut my Bible. The Lord said, don't quit. Keep going. And right about the time I thought that I was getting a flow and starting to preach good, the Lord said, stop. So I kept preaching in case it wasn't the Lord. Uh, And uh, he said, no, stop and speak to the woman on the other side of the wall. There was a 12-foot wall on the other side. I couldn't see anybody over there. He said, her name is Anna Esther. She's 26 years old. She just leaned against the wall and prayed her, what she thought was her last prayer, God, if you're real, speak to me. So I said, Anna Esther, you're 26 years old. You're on the other side of the wall. And you just prayed what you thought was your last prayer. God, if you're real, speak to me. Anna Esther, this is the Lord speaking to you. Don't take your life, but come through the wedding hall. I'm the guy with the microphone in the front. Just come here right now in the name of Jesus. And I went back to preaching in case I missed it. About three minutes later, this uh, long black-haired Beautiful young lady with mascara running down her face comes and stands at the altar. She takes a a, a loaded 45 out of her purse and puts it on the altar. She said, my name is Anna Esther. 
And I, I just found my husband cheating on me in the discotheque. I, I knew for a long time he had been. So I was going to take this gun and sit in his car and blow my brains out. So when he came out, he would find me. But before I did, I leaned up against the wall and said, God, if you're real, speak to me. And that's when you call me by name. Can I tell you something? That there is an anointing. That there is an anointing where the Lord is releasing upon you. It is a Nehemiah anointing. Nehemiah didn't just build a wall, but he stood in the place between life and death. Freedom Church, the Lord has positioned you in the middle of Pensacola, in the midst of Escambia County, not just to be a great church, not just to have great meetings, but to stand in the place between life and death. There's an anointing of the prophetic. And it's not just for a few, it's not just with the guy on the microphone. Moses cried out in Numbers 11 and 29 when Joshua and uh, Moses and all of the people were in the tent of meeting. They, they were praying and worshiping and the spirit of prophecy came. They all began to prophesy. Joshua leaves the tent to go relieve himself or do something. And as he's walking through the city, through the village, he finds that people didn't even come, that didn't even come to the meeting were standing in their own tent and they were prophesying. He gets ticked off about it because they didn't pay their tithe. They didn't come to church. They didn't worship like they worshiped. And, and he came running back and said, Moses, this is what's happening. Make them stop. And Moses cried out, oh, if all of God's people were prophets. Come on, I believe that the Lord is about to release the spirit and the gift and the office of the prophet upon this house like never before. So that you could be a voice and not an echo. Secondly, I believe you're about to have encounters with the power of God. I believe that the power of God is going to flow through this place like never before. It's going to flow in your life. It's going to flow in your family. That I believe that you're being clothed with miracles. You're not just going to bump into one now and then, but you're going to be clothed with miracles, signs, and wonders. Paul said the gospel is not even fully preached unless it's clothed with signs and wonders. When there is an anointing, there is a grace. I would dare to say this, that the Lord wants to release the expectation of the impossible in this room. He doesn't just want you to pray, uh, Lord, we want to see some things. I, I feel like the, the Lord is giving you permission. He's actually earnestly desiring. I, I feel like the Lord who never begs is begging you, begging you, please ask me for the impossible. Ask me for the really hard cases. I believe there's an anointing on this house that you're going to see people healed from autism. I, I believe you're going to see people healed from AIDS. I, I believe you're going to see people healed from MS and cancers. I believe that the Lord is about to do crazy things in your midst. Come on, there's something happening in the room. A few years ago, I had moved here. I've been in Pensacola for about 17 years and I'm almost done. I've been here about 17 years. I, I came here on a word from the Lord, moved to Pensacola. I never heard of before. Came here with a van that didn't have reverse and $141 in my pocket. About a month into it, I'm at uh, shopping at Del Champs, which uh, I think now is Winn-Dixie. Uh, and I, I'm looking for ramen noodles because I'm on a ramen noodle diet. Uh, not because I like ramen noodles, but it was all I could afford. And I'm there and this, this guy comes, this Cajun guy, bald head, missing a tooth, about four foot eight. Uh, he, he comes up to me in Del Champs. He looks at me and says, hey boy, what has God called you to do? I said, I, I think I'm a pastor. He said, oh, no, boy, I guarantee you ain't no pastor. 
God's called you to be a prophet of the nations. You're going to go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever you go, lies, if it doesn't change. And, and then he gave me that crazy, charismatic Pentecostal look. That <laughs> You ever see that look? <laughs> he didn't know if he was in the river, in the line. Well, he was somewhere. He said, I guarantee, boy, you're going to raise the dead. It freaked me out. I went home. I was eating my ramen noodles. I said, God, how is that ever going to happen? He said, I want you to start thinking like a normal Christian. I want you to think like a normal Christian that has a word about raising the dead over your life. You will never see dead people raised unless you pray for dead people. So I went all over the churches of Pensacola. No, 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 I, I didn't do that. So I would read the obituaries. I had one ugly green suit. Nobody told me it was ugly until about three years ago. And I would go to funeral homes all over Pensacola. I'd go to Faith Chapel. I'd go to Lewis Brothers. I'd go everywhere. I'd read the obituaries, get dressed up. I would go into the funeral home. I would go through the receiving line. I would come up to the casket. Say, John, can you hear me? If you can hear me, John, open your eyes. If you can hear me, John, squeeze my finger. Don't pull it, John. Squeeze it. In the name of Jesus, I call your spirit back in your body. You'll live and not die. You'll prophesy. Come up. And nothing happened. Did it a hundred times. And then I got caught. <laughs> Faith Chapel threatened me with a restraining order back in 1999. They said, there's no way you could possibly know every dead person in Pensacola. So I found out who was the director of maintenance at Sacred Heart. Took him to Red Lobster. It's all I could afford. Took me a whole week's paycheck. Because the way to his heart was through, the way to his keys and his heart were through his stomach. Prophetic right there. I, I receive it, Lord. Paul Keith said, it's a season of feasting. Set up for me tables, buffets of joy, Lord. And so I, I met the guy and I, I took him and I said, as he's eating, I said, you have keys to get you in everywhere. He said, yeah, everywhere. I said, even the morgue? He said, are you some kind of freak? I said, no, I'm just a, a man who has a word about raising the dead and your doctors killed him. Maybe God could raise him. I just want to practice. And he said, I'll let you in, but if, if, if you get caught, you don't know me. So I prayed for a hundred dead people in the morgue of Sacred Heart and then I got caught. They threatened to ban me from Sacred Heart. That's why I have five kids. The only way I can get back in is if we had another baby. Uh, and um, that we didn't have cable television, but, but that's a whole different story. Uh, and, and so, uh, I'm just, uh, can I just tell you that there's an anointing to be a normal Christian coming in this place. Nine years later, I ended up in Uganda for the first time. I landed, they took us out to a cow pasture, 40,000 people. We saw miracles like we've never seen before. We saw a Down syndrome boy that was deaf, blind, and couldn't speak. Uh, the Lord healed his eyes the first day, healed his ears the second day. The third day, he said, Jesus, Jesus in his native language. Uh, the fourth day, the Lord completely healed him. Every deformity left his body. And today, that little boy is 12, 13 years old, and he's preaching the gospel all over Uganda. Uh, it's the power of the gospel. Uh, on the last night of the meeting, this mother had walked for three days from the Congo border carrying a baby uh, that had malaria. He was four years old. And as he came carrying this baby, uh, the baby died in her arms. And she carried a baby for six hours. In February of 2008, she carries this baby for six hours dead. 
just says over and over again, I will not be denied, I will not be denied, I will not be denied. In the hot Africa sun, the flesh began to rot, rigor mortis set in. And all of a sudden, they, as she was coming, uh, people tried to block her from getting on the stage. And she took that little dead baby's legs and started beating him out of the way. They moved pretty fast. And she came and she laid the baby at my feet. There was a Baptist pastor on my left, a Methodist pastor on my right. It was not time for a theological dispensational discussion. She just said these words, my baby's dead. What's God going to do about it? And we just said, Samuel, we call your spirit back in your body. You'll live and not die. You'll prophesy. You'll declare the word of the Lord. His rigor mortis body went limp. All of the flesh that had been rotted away grew back over. He began to, he began to breathe and sneeze and cough. He sat up. And we gave him something to drink and eat. And two hours later, while we were preaching, that little boy that had been dead for six hours was playing soccer behind the platform because our God is the God who raises the dead. I'm here to tell you tonight that those kind of testimonies are about to come to Freedom Church. Those kind of testimonies are about to come to Pensacola because they that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be satisfied. I don't know about you, but there's something on the inside of me that I've seen a lot of things, but I'm crying out, God, there still must be more than this. Come on, there's an anointing for normal Christianity. Come on, I'm in a room filled with normal Christians. It's time to do this stuff. We saw over 40,000 people give their lives to the Lord that one night. Entire Muslim villages got converted because of that one miracle. I'm telling you, when the miracles start happening all over Pensacola, all over the Gulf Coast, people won't come to a meeting, but they will come running to Jesus. Come on, I'm telling you that Jesus is about to demonstrate who he really is. And as I close tonight, this is what I believe. You're about to have encounters with the provision of God. Don't worry, I'm not about to take another offering. Here's what I believe right now. Paul Keith ended with Smith Wigglesworth. I want to end with Smith Wigglesworth. I was in Sunderland, England with my friend Ken Gott. Uh, Molly and I, my wife, went uh, two years ago. And he took us to the, the church where the Holy Spirit fell. And he took us to the house, the parsonage, where the home of the vicar, the, uh, the Anglican vicar, where Smith Wigglesworth knocked on the door after a week's worth of meetings and didn't get filled standing in the rain saying, uh, I, I'm not going to go home until I get what I came for. She laid hands on him. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in that church there, an amazing move of God took place. Here's what's written on the cornerstone. In 1906, when the glory of God fell, it burned up all the debt. Next to it is another cornerstone that says, in 1996, when the glory of God fell again, there was no debt. Here's what I'm prophesying to you tonight. That the Lord is about to release the glory of God. And there will be no debt for this ministry. There will be no debt for a building. There will be, be no debt. The glory of God's coming. It will burn up all the debt. Come on. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Who will build him a house? Come on. I believe this. That you're about to step into the realm of the Father's funds. The Father's finances. Come on. I, the Lord is really wanting to break the poverty mindset off of Pensacola. Poverty is not lack of money, it's lack of honor. And what I feel like there is an anointing coming on Freedom Church is to restore the honor to ministry and church in this city. Come on, it's a, it's a tall order. 
Some of you get quiet. We get quiet in Pensacola. I'm telling you right now, I'm tired of being one of the poorest counties in Florida. I'm tired of being the 17th poorest county in the United States of America. I, I, the, the answer is not in our government. It's not in the, in the, in the governor's mansion. It's not in the, the mayor. It's not in the, uh, the county commission. It's in the church. And I'm telling you right now that there is a sound that God is about to release. It is the sound of an abundance of rain. I'm telling you right now, there is, an, there is a sound of an abundance of rain that's coming over this house. It's coming over the house. It's coming over you. Come on right now. Some of you tonight. The Lord is breaking off fear. He's breaking off unbelief. Unbelief is not lack of faith. It's just simply believing something other than what God said. And there is a divine alignment for the assignment of God on your life. That, that He's anointing your hearing and your understanding. This is a saturation word tonight. Paul Keith's word. What Arnie shared. What I shared. Stuff in the worship tonight. Come on. It's saturating you. This is not a word that's just going to kind of just hang out in your ears or your mind, but I believe it's going to saturate, permeate, and come to being. Come on, who wants to be a normal Christian tonight? Jesus said to his disciples, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. He told them to go do this stuff, but he took time to teach them how to pray. Can I tell you something? It's time for this church to rise and do this stuff. Come on, that anointing's dropping in the room right now. You are a church that will invade the impossible. You are a church that will invade the impossible. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. But who will build me a house? Who will be the person? Who will be the place? Where will be the place that I can rest? When I feel the rest of the Lord coming. The rest and the restoration of the Lord are coming. Some of you right now, the Lord's healing your hope. Tonight, tomorrow, I'm telling you that there's an anointing of resurrection life that's going to begin to flow like never before. Come on right now. You're in this room. The glory of the Lord's getting ready to fall. There's a commissioning coming. Your house that's called and commissioned. I felt this as I just closed my eyes and kicked over the water. <laughs> there is a wind of refreshing. There is a wind of purpose for those of us in this place that are in between assignments. There are some of you right now, you're in that in-between place. You're in between called and commissioned. You're in between coming and going. You're in between. You're in major transitions. But I heard the Lord say that He's taking you from transition to position. Come on, I feel the wind of purpose in the room tonight. Holy Spirit, drop in this room. Lord, release those mantles of the prophetic. The mantles of power, the mantles of provision. Drop in this room tonight, Jesus. Unlock us, change us. Here's what I felt tonight. I just really felt, if you want it, just stand to your feet. Tonight, there's an impartation in the atmosphere. I saw Jesus standing in front of you tonight. I heard him say these peculiar words. Number one, he said that he's laying his hands on you. 
Some of you are about to feel the hands of Jesus come on your head. But here's what I, I saw him doing, something very peculiar. I saw him standing in front of each of us. And this is what he was asking. He's asking this question. What is it that you want me to do for you? Tonight, he's standing in front of you. And he's asking you a question. What is it that you want me to do for you? Do you want a nation? Do you want a city? Do you want a business? Do you want ministry? Do you want provision? Do you want your kids saved? Do you want your city saved? I believe that there is an anointing to ask dangerously. I don't know about you, but if Jesus is standing in front of me tonight and he's asking, what is it you want me to do for you? I'm not going to sit there quietly and meekly like I don't need or want anything. But I'm going to let my voice be heard. Because he's given you permission. He's given you access to his excess. The excessive God is coming to people. But here is the key. Paul Keith hit on it. Arnie's hit on it this week. I hit on it on Thursday night. This is what he wants to do. He's coming to people with pure hearts in clean hands. I asked the Lord, I, I was overwhelmed going home at almost one o'clock in the morning on Thursday night. And I said, Lord, what is so special? He said, that place has a pure heart and clean hands. The people there have pure hearts and clean hands. They're not perfect, but they're purified. Come on, you may, we will never be a perfect church, but we could be a perfecting church. What is it that you want me to do for you? Paul Keith had us do a prophetic act stepping in to our new day. I want you to do a prophetic act and don't feel ashamed. Don't feel, uh, feel strange about it because all of us are going to be doing it. I want you to tell him what you want. What is it that you want me to do for you? I'm going to count to three. You can whisper it, you can scream it, you can, you can talk it out. But what is it that you want me to do for you? Here he comes. One, two, three. Come on, don't be timid. Don't be shy. Don't be reserved. Take the limits off right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I want to see the dead raised in Pensacola. I want to see the church united, God. I want to see a true revival in my city, Lord. Lord, I want to prophesy to kings and presidents. Lord, I want all of my children to walk into their destiny, God. Lord, I want to change nations, Lord. I want to resource the kingdom of God, Lord. Lord, I want to write your books, Lord. I want to write your mysteries, God. I want to train up the next generation, Jesus. Lord, I want to go, Lord, not just to the 60 nations I've been to, but Lord, I want to go to every nation on the earth declaring the goodness and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, right now, I want to see millions come to the kingdom. Lord, I want to be a part of the billion soul harvest, God. Lord, I ask right now that you would open the floodgates over Pensacola, that we would not just be known as a city of five flags, 
but we would be the city of grace. That we would not just be known, God, as a city filled with so many churches, God. But this would be a city, that Lord, that is a city set on a hill whose light could not be hidden, God. Lord, I want you to tear down the walls of religion and poverty, God, and division out of our city, Lord. Lord, I want you to unite the hearts of pastors and leaders. Lord, let Pensacola be a safe place. Let it be a habitation place for the prophets, God. Lord, that we would be able to declare and hear your word clearly, God. Lord, I just declare right now that, Lord, you are standing in front of each of us in this place, God. Lord, we want to see the power of God. We want to hear the prophetic voice of God. We want to encounter the provision of God. Lord, let this church, let Freedom Church, God, be a place of encounters, a dwelling place of the Most High God. Come on. I heard the Lord say, Here's what I heard the Lord say. Ready or not, here I come. It's what he's saying to our city. Ready or not, here I come. He's coming as he is. Now we may not recognize him, but he's coming as he is. He's coming to his church before he comes for his church. Come on, Freedom Church. Be a church of forerunners. Be a church on fire where the Holy Spirit isn't weird, but He's wonderful. Come on right now, let the Holy Spirit make you wonderful. Lord, fill this place with mystery. Lord, let us set the course of history for the next 5, 7, 10, 12, 20 years. But I thank you right now that Lord, for the visionary anointing to drop in the room. That let the oracles of God rise. Lord, for whatever it means, whatever it's worth, Lord, I just, I just release over everyone in this room right now all that I carry and more. But I release that impartation of all that I carry and more. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys bless this man of God. God's been dealing with me about confirming things. I can tell you for sure that Tony and I had a conversation today about the kind of ministry you would have. Did we not? <laughs> that you would be like William Branham. <laughs> and that's a tall order. But I heard, I, we, we had that conversation today that that's, that would be on your life. And it was confirmed as Paul Keith prophesied about a new level. And I feel like that was the level that, that was being confirmed. We had that conversation today. I prayed over you the other night about an apostolic prophetic movement on your life. Confirmed again. The Lord, as I was standing there, told me you were going to kick this bottle of water over and water was going to be poured out right here as a sign that he was getting ready to pour out. He was getting ready to pour out this water that we's prophesying about. The Lord showed me. I, I, I almost could have told Greg, go get the paper towels because it's going to happen. I don't know why God just wants to do these things. I, I, sometimes I wonder if he just wants us to be kissed. Just bump into him and get kissed. But this is what the scripture God gave to me. And I, and I when I talked with them earlier, we, I had no idea what they were going to share. We had no idea what each other was going to share. But this is a tapestry that the Lord is putting together here. This was what the Lord said to me today. To remind us that we are in the year of Jubilee. And he wants us to come before him so he can cancel debts he wants us to come before him and remind him of his word 
because there are precious promises that we're supposed to say yes and amen to not try to figure it out just position yourself to say yes because you're not going to figure him out all you can do is just stand next to him and go okay do what you want to do and then he dropped this on me luke chapter 4 he said as jesus came to the temple he was handed the scroll the prophet isaiah was handed to him and he said the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and I'm here to tell you right now it was the year of Jubilee that he prophesied that and I believe he's saying it right now again that this is the year of the Lord's favor it is a time for freedom Freedom! 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 Lord, I pray that if you are in this house right now and you're needing this freedom, this altar is available to you right now. If you need some debts to be canceled, then make yourself available to this altar. And we're going to ask for this miraculous thing to happen right now. Right now. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. I don't know how he brings the, he has a storehouse of snow. And I don't know where it is, but he's got a storehouse of wind. He has a treasury room of heaven. I don't know where it all is, but he, he said it's there. He's got everything that we need. And here's the thing. Jesus is the prophetic fulfillment of what was instituted in the Old Testament with a Jubilee year. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is standing before us tonight saying, I want to bring you freedom. I want to cancel your debts. I want you to go into this new year not struggling, but striving, thriving in his goodness. God, I ask you right now to break off the mentality of struggling. God, I pray right now that you break off the mentality of just barely getting by. How are we going to carry your kingdom to the ends of the earth if we're barely getting by? God, I thank you that it's time for a season of the children of God to make the world wonder, how do you prosper? How is it that you're able to live with such joy and peace and comfort? It's time for Hollywood to look at the church and say, how is it that you have so much joy? How is it that you're not taking laughter, but you're giving laughter? God, I pray. God, I pray. God, that the world will begin to see the church because there's a sound of music being released from heaven. I pray that it's this time, God, that the world begins to look and listen for the sound that's coming out of your church. God, we pray, God, that you would release your love and your power and your grace right now in this place, in this place right now. God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Could you guys just lift your hands to heaven and let's just take this moment right here. Let's take this moment right here. Seize this moment right here. Seize this moment right now. Determine right now. You're not backing up anymore. You're not being pushed back anymore. That God has made an opportunity 
to hit a restart button. It's called Jubilee. It's time for you to get back what was always yours. It's time for things to be restored to you that was taken in the former season. It's time for your indebtedness to not be a man anymore, but to only be a bondservant to the Lord God himself. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way.